Nedarim daf pehed. Last thing we were talking about was a person who vowed that Kohanim Levim will not get the benefit from him, then they could take Trumot and Masrot whether they like whether he likes it or not. Which basically tells us that Tovatan uh, the, the owner's right or that benefit that he has that he could choose to any Kohen that he wants to give to that's not a real right, it's not a real benefit. And therefore the Kohanim could just take it. It's really their money, he's just holding it. But on the other hand, the Sefa said that if a person vowed from specific Kohanim Levim, then he then he would have to give to other people. And that shows you that it's his money, not theirs. So Rav explained that you could say that the first part, which says that they could just come and take it because it's really the Kohanim's money, is according to Rabbi Yusuf and Rabbi Uda. And the second part, which said that it's the owner's money and he has a right to give it to, that's according to Rabbi. And with that, we're starting Pehe Amud Aleph, second line in, towards the end of the line, the, uh, the last word on the line is Lo, we're starting from there, Lo. You don't have to say that's the mahlukah between Rabbi Yosir, Rabbi Yudah, and Rabbi. We could say, You could say that according to everyone, that Tovatana'a, that right to choose who to give it to, is not considered money. Over here, we're talking about a situation where the person did not give Terumayat. Uh, Rabbi holds, we're not going to count the the teruma part of that pile as if it was already taken, and therefore the thief has to pay everything. And Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yudah holds, listen, at the end of the day, he was going to give it, then it's as if it was given already, and therefore the thief does not have to pay for it. But the Gemara pushes back, if you want to say this right to give and, and choose to whichever Kohen Levi he wants to give it. You want to say that's not a real benefit, it's not a real right, it's not worth anything. Then Mali Hurmu, Mali Lormu, what's to make a difference if they uh, took the Trumota Masrot or not? Then even if they're considered his actual money, still he the, the thief would not have to pay for it. Because anyways, the owner is not losing anything. Ella, you have to explain the Mahlokit between Rabbi and Rabbi Yosib Rabbi Yudah, this is Rabbi's reason. What's the reason the thief has to pay? Is Kansuara Banan Leganav because we're gonna fine him and we're gonna make him pay. So he doesn't steal. He holds the reason he doesn't have to pay is Kansura Banan opposite. We're going to find the owner. So this way he doesn't he doesn't just leave his uh, fruits uh, piled up like that without giving from Otomasrot. You got to rush uh, the, the the giving process. And if you don't give it fast enough, we're going to find you that if anyone steals it, you're you're not going to get paid for it. Now, all this was according to Rav Hoshaya, who was, who explained the difference between the Resha and the Sefa, that one is Rabbi, one is Rabbi Yosibra Yuda. Rabbi Amar, he explains the difference between the Resha and the Sefa as follows. That the Tanav Mishnah holds that the Tovatan the option to, to choose who to give it to, is considered like money. And when the owner said he's not going to give to these following uh, Kohanim, they can't take the Terumah because they're benefiting from him. However, in the Resha, where he said, I'm not giving to any Kohanim, Shani Teruma, in that case, is different. Why? This is the reason they could take whether he likes it or not. Because 
The Truma could only go to, uh, to Kohanim. He can't give it to another Israel. Now he's coming to prohibit his Teruma from the Kohanim. He just made it Hefker. He made it like the dust of the earth. And at that point, they could do whatever they want. And that's why they could take whether he likes it or not. Next Mishnah. A woman says to her husband, Konam Sheni Osa Al Pi Aba. I vow I'm not going to do anything from my father, or your father, or from my uh, brother, or for your brother. He cannot annul. That's not part of the ketubah. She is not obligated to do that for him, and therefore he can't annul it. She said she's not going to do anything for him. He does not have to uh, annul that vow. She's obligated by her ketubah to do these things for her husband, and therefore he, he, uh, she can't say no, and therefore he doesn't have to annul. Rabbi Akiva says he should annul just in case she makes more money than what is befitting to him. Hachamim set up five selaim in Yehuda, ten in Galil, whatever the case may be, but there's a certain amount what a woman is supposed to bring in for her husband. Anything more than that is considered extra. So Rabbi Akiva says annul just in case she makes extra money, and therefore the vow might come on that extra money, therefore just annul it. Now, Rabbi Yohanan bin Nuri Omer, Yafer, why should you annul it? Because because maybe he'll divorce her, and then the vow kicks in, and she'll be asur to remarry. And the Gemara starts, that he should annul just in case they get divorced, and they cannot remarry. And the Mimrat sounds like because Savar Shmuel Shmuel holds Adam Makdish Davar Shelo Ba'al Olam. A person could make something kadosh. He can make it Egdash, the Bet Hamikdash, or whatever it is, even though it's not existent in the world yet. Because here we here we have it that the person has to annul the vow because he might divorce her, and then she'll be asur, even though it didn't happen. Meaning we're worried that later on, whatever she makes will be asur to him, even though it's not existent yet. The problem is, Urminhi, we have a Braita that says, If a person made holy or he made a kiddush, whatever his wife is making, This, uh, whatever she makes, she can continue eating. He cannot make whatever she did kadosh. And the reason is either you could explain that a woman has a right to say she doesn't want her husband to feed her. Uh, If he's not feeding her, then she doesn't have to give him whatever she made. So really it's hers and he uh, he can't prohibit whatever she made on her. Or we could say we're talking about the uh, case in the Mishnah where her husband is not feeding her, and if you're not feeding her, then she doesn't owe you anything either. It's one of those uh, two cases, one or the other. Either way, and whatever is left over, meaning she's supposed to bring in five or ten, it depends if she's in Galil or Yehuda. So the leftover, Rabbi Meir Omer Hekdesh, is considered Hekdesh. Rabbi Yohannes and Lar Omer, it's Hulin. It's not in the world yet, so the Hekdesh didn't go on it. And Alma, what do you understand from Shmuel? A person cannot uh, sanctify, cannot make something kadosh if it's not in the world yet. Now, the problem is in our Mishnah, we understand that, uh, that Shmuel holds like Rabbi Yohanna bin Nuri that a person 
could be makdish something that's not in the world. And over here, we're understanding from the from Yohanan and Lar, a different Rabbi Yohanan, that it's holding because a person cannot be makdish something that's not in the world yet. So on one hand, you see Shmuel hold like Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri, and then over here like Rabbi Yohanan and Lar. So pick one. And if you want to te- uh, tell me, if you want to try to answer that, when Shmuel said is going on the extra, whatever uh, whatever extra that she made, it was not on the base. Then just say the when we're talking about the extra money. Inami or halacha ketana kamad. The halacha is like ketana kamad. You don't have to annul. And I understand now also that uh, even on the extra, it doesn't. The 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 kedusha doesn't go on it. Inami or in halacha kerbi akiva. Or just tell me you have to add the word in. Or just tell me the halacha is not like kerbi akiva. Rabbi Akiva says you should annul because she might make extra. We see here we don't care about the extra, and therefore I just say the halacha is not like Rabbi Akiva. Period. Now the Gemara didn't say all this, so we're sort of uh, stuck. And now we have to go back to, uh, to to the question on Shmuel. On one hand, you hold like Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri, and the other hand, you hold like Rabbi Yohanan Sandlar, and it contradicts one another. So which one is it? So Ella Amar of Yosef, rather. The way Rav Yosef explains the contradiction is Shani Kunamot. When we're talking about Kunamot, the halachot are totally different. Why Ho'il perot havero alav? Since a person could prohibit his friend's thing on himself, therefore he could also prohibit things that are not in the world on himself. And the Ran explains that what Rav Yosef is trying to say is when it comes to Kunamot, since a person could uh, could prohibit something that's not in his possession. So therefore, we're going to take it a step further and say you could even prohibit something that's not in the world. But when it comes to Hekadesh, a person could not uh, be Makadish something that belongs to his friend. Therefore, he can't uh, for sure not uh, be Makadish something that's not in the world yet. So now, Amar le Abayes. Abayes tells Rav Yosef, what you're saying doesn't totally make sense because Mishlam Adam Oser Perot Havero Alav. I understand how we have a situation where someone prohibits his friend's fruits on himself. Share Adam Oser Perotav Al Havero because a person could uh, prohibit his fruits on someone else. I could I could say your stuff is a sort to me because I could say my stuff is a sort to you. Ella, just explain to me how Al Havero. How could I prohibit something that's on the world on my friend? If I can't prohibit my friend's things on himself, how could I prohibit my future fruit on my friend? Meaning what you're saying of yourself doesn't totally fit in. If we're going by the, the logic that it all depends on what I could do to the other person, the other person could do it to me, then over here you're stuck because... I could prohibit my friend's fruit on me because I could uh, because I, could, I have the option of doing the same thing to him. But how can someone or even a woman prohibit things that are not in the world on someone else when they can't prohibit uh, another person's things on himself? Ella Amar of Yeshua. The way he explains the contradiction between what Shmuel was saying, we're talking about a case where the woman said, She's Maktish her actual hands to Hashem. Meaning, 
anything that is done through her hands. Her hands are in the world. But the Gemara has a question. Kacha, how could it be that if she said these words, she's it's kadosh? Her hands are obligated to work for the husband. So like my answer is, We're talking about a case where she said that everything in my hands are going to be kadosh to my husband when we get divorced. Which what she's saying is that when the obligation has stopped, then the vow will come in. But the Gemara is bothered because right now she's she's not divorced. Her hands are not hers. They belong to her husband's. Why is it that if she says, oh, uh, my hands are going to be kadosh to Hashem when I get divorced, who said that even works? You can't be magdish, something that's not yours, and your hands are not yours. Your hands belong to your husband. And the question goes back on Shmuel. On one hand, he holds like Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri, and on the other hand, he holds like Rabbi Yohanan ben Blair. And we're going to stop with uh, that right over here. Baruch Hashem le'olam, amen ve'amen.